Hello, Christchurch, Albany. My name is Jeff Vanderlaan, and John Hendrick has asked me to share with you about mourning. So let's get at it. Uh, John and I go back a long time. I, I moved to Albany, New York in 1995 as part of Impact Campus Ministry's first campus ministry plant at the University at Albany and got involved with uh, a new church plant called Christchurch Gilderland and was involved there from 1995 to 2010 and John and I's paths crossed uh, and it was an amazing time. Uh, and so uh, when I went back in 2019 uh, for a prayer journey to go pray on campus, I reached out to John to see if we could we could catch up. And we did. We met at a, a coffee shop uh, there on Madison Avenue and we talked and I just shared with him about what was going on in my life. And what was going on in my life at that time was I had just come off of uh, my sabbatical, a time away from from my work where I could reflect on my life. Uh, I had a son who has some mental health issues uh, and had recently uh, attempted suicide. Uh, weird thing to bring up, but I bring it up because at the time we, I met with John, uh, we talked about mourning. Uh, we talked about pain. Uh, and I shared with John uh, some things that I was learning and a couple years later, uh, you guys are looking at the Beatitudes and blessed are those who mourn and John thought of me. Uh, but I do want to share with you my story and hope that by sharing my story, you can learn something you can apply to your story. So look forward to sharing with you this morning. So honestly, I've had a really blessed life. Uh, I had uh, great grandparents into my college age years that um, when my great-grandfather passed in, he had the whole family into the room and said, I've lived a long life. I'm happy. I've done everything I've wanted to do. I want to tell you I love you, and I'm tired, and I'm done. And he passed away that night in his sleep. I mean, it was sad, but I didn't have that experience of mourning that so many people have had. My grandparents uh, were at my wedding and uh, lived my life with me. Um, my uh, parents are alive, my siblings are alive, uh, just didn't have a lot of loss in my life. I was blessed. Then Katrina happened and God took me on a missions trip to New Orleans. It was crazy. 650,000 people were displaced from their homes, homes like homes that I lived in. We left the airport and we drove for an hour and we didn't see a single bit of even electricity. And everywhere you looked, the houses looked normal. They looked fine. I would have never guessed the destruction, but inside they, they weren't okay. 275,000 homes were destroyed. Again, homes like mine. You could see trees down everywhere, of course. Um, I've seen that before. But when you went in the houses, it was unreal. If water was up at six feet, the mold was and um, humidity crushed the rest of the house. If the water was in it for two feet, uh, then there were six feet of mold. There was just like nothing that wasn't affected. Everything had to be ripped out of these homes. And these were homes like mine. Like I have always thought of mourning as, as, as losing a person. Um, but I started to see you can lose a lot of things. A lot of things can disappear from your life in an instant. These houses were houses like mine. And they had nothing. 
it was crazy. We stripped them out, and then bulldozers came and just pushed the stuff down the road, and they had to rebuild from from nothing. I, there was one house that we went to. This one, this was everything we could salvage out of their three hundred and fifty thousand dollar home. They hadn't been there to to go in. They had given us directions to where some of their valuables were and said save as much as you could and we tried and and the ninth ward the ninth ward was crazy that was a neighborhood that was someone's car they had barbecues in their backyards and now their backyards were all one one block the, the houses were ripped off their foundations and literally in the middle of the street. Houses were picked up and dropped on cars. I, I couldn't even comprehend all that we saw. And so we would talk with people and of course the people we talked to were, were crushed. Um, they had lost everything. But it was interesting. We... We spent the time there doing labor, doing work. But I don't think it was the labor and the work that really changed their lives. I think, honestly, it was just listening. What would happen when we met people is we would drive up to their house and they'd be waiting for us, a crew of people coming to demolish and, and clean out everything that was in their home. And, but before we would get started, they would, they would share their story. They would tell us where they were when they heard the hurricane was coming. They would tell us their story of, of leaving and escaping. They would tell us the story of coming back and what they saw, the damage and destruction in their home. It was crazy. But it was healing. At first I was really nervous. What if they asked me questions about God? What if they asked me questions about why it happened? I just didn't have anything I could say. There was nothing really I could I could say to make it go away. But I realized there was nothing I had to say. Being there, seeing them, listening. It, it's crazy that there the when I was at Michigan State University, uh, I was a physics major to start and there's this principle uh, about particles uh, that you can't know both their velocity and their placement at the same time. When you observe them, you actually change them. You change the direction they're going. You change the speed that they're going at. You can't, you can't be involved with them, even in just seeing them, without affecting them. I thought about it, but what are we made of? Just a whole bunch of particles coming together to make a whole bunch of cells, coming together to make a whole bunch of organs, coming together to make a human, a human that you can observe and talk to and listen to without affecting them. Man. Do you feel heard? Do you feel listened to? When you are... Does it touch you at your soul? We're coming off a verdict 
of a trial that got a lot of attention this last week and month and year. And it's touched a lot of people in a lot of ways. And I can't help but wonder, is it a bunch of people just saying, I wanna be seen, I wanna be heard, I need to be seen, I need to be heard, I need to find hope. So that's a little of my story. So what does the Bible talk about mourning? Well, obviously, it brings it up in Matthew 5, uh, verse 4, for those who, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted by God. But that's not the only place it comes up. I think often we think of the Bible as this, this powerful story of the celebrations and the winning and the power of God. But if you read it, there's space. There's space for who we are. Have you read Psalms? Yes, of course, there's celebrations and praises, but then there's also grief and despair. Have you read Ecclesiastes? It talks about that there's a time and a season for everything, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, and a time to weep and a time to laugh and a time to mourn, and a time to dance. The Bible is, is full of space. The Bible is full of space for people like you and for people like me. People who, yeah, we may have some successes in our lives, but I bet every one of us has something that we have mourned or will mourn. And the Bible wants us to, to deal with it. Because when we don't deal with it, it finds a way to leak. You can't hide it. You can't stuff it. And they say time makes the pain go away, but, but the truth is, time just puts distance. So let's get practical. What can you do this week to better understand, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted by God? Well, one thing is to turn to Scripture. I encourage you to read... a. a a very uh, hidden book, uh, Lamentations. Not sure when the last time John has said, hey, let's all turn to Lamentations. It'd be funny if it was last week, but I doubt it. Uh, and read, and read about lament, and, f and, and see that um, mourning is, has its space with God. I, and one, if you want to kind of get into it, uh, here's a little tip for you. Uh, look at chapter 2, uh, and as you read chapter 2, you'll notice it's a poem. And one of the things that poems are really good at is expressing emotion. Uh, our facts-based, science-based textbooks are not great at this, but sometimes to touch the emotion in us, we have to read a poem. And as you read this poem, you'll notice that it's in stanzas like poems are. And there are 22 stanzas in the first poem. Now, one of the things you'll miss, because it's not in the original language, is actually each line of this poem starts with a new letter of the alphabet. It'd be like A, and then the second line B, and then the second line C, but we miss that. But it helps us understand that this is a poem with 22 stanzas. Well, then when you look at chapter 3, it's interesting. 
there goes beyond 22 and it keeps going actually to 66. Hmm, interesting, three times 22. It's a longer center of the poem. And then you finish with chapter four. And again, what do you know? There are 22 stanzas. All three of the stanzas using that alphabetic, chiastic, acrostic to make it. And so it's, it's pretty darn clear that this is a poem, that this isn't something we have to pull out the science part of it. It's we need to feel it and, and experience it and learn from it. And if you want to be really blown away, look at the middle of the poem. It is very clear, the 22-66-22, that this was done deliberately. And if you look at the middle of the poem, starting in, say, verse 19, you would read, I remember my afflictions and wanderings and bitterness and gall. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this is this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his passions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, and therefore I will wait on him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him and the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And it goes on building in this uh, positive tone through the middle verse, which would be 33, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief or any uh, to any human being to cr to crush underfoot all prisoners in the land to deny their rights before the most high to deprive them of justice would not the lord see such things huh our god in the middle of his poem in the middle of lamentation says yeah it's a mess but in the middle, I hope you find hope, and I hope you truly trust the story. If this was happening, would God not see it? You're seen. A second practical thing that you can do is literally practice mourning. Maybe there's something in your life right now that you've stuffed down and you just are afraid to mourn. A, a really practical tool that I've found is, is kind of simple, but... I didn't know about it, so I share it with you. Uh, I set a timer. Uh, I set a timer for 15 minutes, and I tell myself, for 15 minutes, I can feel it. For 15 minutes, I need to feel it. I need to go there. I need to sit in it. It's not forever. I know the timer's going to go off. But in those moments, I, I, could, I can be real and honest with God. And the truth is, God can handle it. Jesus cried out, God, my God, why do you forsake me? When he's sitting in the garden waiting to go to his crucifixion. And he had to sit through it. And like I said, when we stuff it, it finds a way out. For him, it literally found its way out of his body, sweating blood. God can handle it. I encourage you to try it. And if you don't have anything personally that you're mourning right now, another exercise you can do during that time is think of someone else you know who's mourning. Imagine their life. Imagine what they're going through. 
and, and, and grow your empathy for them. Don't try to solve their problem during that time. Just sit in their problem with them, even if they're not there, and love them. So like I said, I set a timer. Hey Google, set a timer for 15 minutes. 15 minutes, starting now. And I let myself feel it. It's another tool that you can try. I hope it helps. The final practical tip I might share with you is, is walk your neighborhood, drive your city, go to your library, do something in public, go to the park and watch and look. Are there people that you see that are unseen? Are there people that you see that haven't been listened to? Are there people that you see that need hope? Think about it, observe it, and maybe, maybe even say something. You don't have to have the answers. God will comfort them. But sometimes God is looking to use you to be his hands and feet, to be the word in flesh, to live it out so that more and more people can meet the God we love and have the comfort that he offers. And as I end, I'll end the way that I ended with John. I had shared with him about my son and the attempted suicide and how much pain and grief and mourning, it just churned up and he, and he didn't, he wasn't even successful. I said, I can't imagine. I, I used to think God being all powerful and all loving meant he, he was awesome and would do anything and could do anything on the positive side. But going through that with my son and knowing that he's my father, I realized maybe the most amazing thing about my God is how much pain he can endure. How much pain he can endure on a cross and how much pain he can endure looking down on this earth so that he can comfort me. I don't know where your pain is. I don't know if it's a loss of a person a physical item, an experience. I don't know if it's something you did that made it go away or something that was done to you to rip it away from you. But whatever it is, I want you to know that God knows and God loves you and that we as a community of believers want to be the hands and feet. And so if you just need us to be with you, may we be with you. I'm sorry I don't have more answers than that of, of how to mourn and, and make it great. But I'll let you know it's normal, it's real, it's hard, and our God gets it. Of all the things in the world our God gets, he knows what it's like to see a son die unjustly. He knows what it's like to see people who commit their lives to him fall and fail and the and really spit in his face after calling him God and friend. And yet, somehow, in the vastness of our God, he finds ways to keep coming back and keep loving and keep comforting. So may you be comforted by our God for whatever you're mourning. <laughs>